Hi, this is Coach Colette. As you know, one of my goals for the Start Within podcast is to have honest, candid conversations with fellow social impact leaders to uncover how they stay grounded and healthy and sane as they pursue their mission-driven goals. That's why I'm so excited for this episode of Coach Chat. It's my conversation with Amir Jandali. He's what you may call an environmental futurist. He's also founder of a startup called Future Meets Present, through which he designs products and systems that help to reduce waste. He's also the creator of an innovative product called Bracelet-Tote. And you're just going to have to stay tuned to learn all about it. I swear you're never going to look at plastic bags in the same way. In this conversation, Amir discusses his journey from his DJ life, spinning four nights a week for four and a half years back in New Mexico, to moving to New York City to get his degree in social innovation from the School of Visual Arts. He also shares the pivotal moment when everything changed, all because of his watching a documentary about the impact of plastic on the environment. We discuss how all the dots began to connect and all of the micro moves that happened along the way to bring his entrepreneurial venture to where it is now. Is there a courage step that you are considering taking? like around an environmental issue or some other issue that's beyond your own personal sphere that can have an impact on the larger world? If so, get ready for a very real and engaging conversation on how one person really can make a difference because our symbolic gestures can lead to other solutions. So get ready and listen up. So hi, this is Coach Colette, and I'm excited for another episode of Coach Chat. And right now, here in studio at Center for Social Innovation is my friend Amir Jandali, who is the founder of Future Meets Present. And we're going to talk all about his journey to becoming this futurist, innovation, climate activist. But what we really love is, those of us here at CSI, is that he is our resident DJ. So Mm -hmm. DJ Amir in the house. (laughs) Yeah, here we are. Yep. Uh, That is uh, past life and current life combined. Yes, it is. Awesome. So I'm actually curious, yeah, how did we get here? How does one transition from being a DJ into the work that you're doing now? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yes, thank you, Colette. This is awesome. Um, I'm stoked to dive into this podcast as a listener and as a participant. This is great. Um, so the journey begins uh, in the DJ life, okay? Uh, to set the context, imagine a minimum four nights a week in the nightclub um, for about four and a half years. So DJing every night except Monday. Pretty much that was the life it was great it was really exciting and it brought me to life because i got to connect with people which is what i love doing um and then it also became this channel for me to uh, raise awareness about the war that was happening in syria because my family's from syria 
So it felt great on all levels, right? It's wonderful. Um, and then how the segue began, uh, one night I had just gotten home from the club, it was about 3.30 in the morning, and I watched this documentary about plastic bags. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've ever actually even talked about this. No, I was like, because I was going to get to the bags. All right, let's yeah. go. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, we know our stories in fragments, right? So this is how all the dots connect. Okay, so I watched this documentary about plastic bags. Um, and yeah, it was like 3.30 in the morning and I had just gotten back and I was just, you know, I just wanted to eat some late night food, chill, watch a documentary, relax. And I put this thing on and I started learning about all the things that we currently know about plastic bags at the time I had no idea um, and I'm watching this documentary and things are just like all that's going through my head is everything I knew that was normal is suddenly not normal anymore because I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking how did the person at Walmart yesterday not tell me like hey you should just take one bag or whatever like how was I, why did nobody tell me this so even, everything started shifting in that in that moment I don't know what it was about that documentary, um, I think it was the approachability of the character, of the, the host, the person, the guy in the documentary. He was really nice. The, you know, It wasn't all doom and gloom. It was like, hey, my wife's pregnant. Um, I, I'm living in Colorado, and my town in Colorado is challenging another neighboring town to see who could reduce their uses of plastic bags less. I mean, who could increase the reduction of their plastic bags, right? Um, he's like, so I'm starting to think about it and what could be bad for my baby? Like, is all this plastic bad for my potential, you know? Um, and that was the context of the documentary. So it was non-threatening. It wasn't like, look what we're doing. Stop it now Stop or it you're now. like evil. Yeah, it wasn't that. And, and so this guy's just going on his own discovery phase and he's like, and before long I, was, I started noticing that everything was covered in plastic and he goes to the grocery store and I'm just like, dang, you're right. You're right. Look at that. You're right, this and this. And I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, that's that's what created the um, the fertile soil, if you will. That's what started getting things shifting. Um, and then one thing led to another. I uh, looked up graduate school programs here in New York. I thought that would be a good segue into going to a bigger city, expanding on my DJ career, getting a master's degree that would let me do something about plastic waste. You know, all those things kind of. Uh, and then moved here, got a degree in design for social innovation from the School of Visual Arts. And our first uh, class in that program was a shop class, and that's where I designed the, the product that we know that is being created right now, um, uh, the bracelet tote. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of the segue wow. right there. Wow. And it's so interesting when you think about all of the dots that needed to be connected to get there, right? So getting home at that time, watching the documentary at that time, and then having that connection happen mm -hmm. in your brain. And also to think, I don't know if you thought about like why, like why you for this problem? Like why was this something yeah. that you decided like, I can't not do this? Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. I love thinking about that all the time too, especially in times where I feel very conflicted. Um, there's any creative process, you know, no matter what it is you're working on, whether it's entrepreneurial or artistic or anything, brings up so much uh, barriers. All of it comes up, the, the fear, the doubt, the insecurities, everything. Um, and so especially in those conflicting moments, I think about the way all those dots connected. And I'm like, yeah, it just, it can't, it just can't all be for nothing. It just can't. The way this is unfolding, Steve Jobs said the dots connect backwards, right? So mm -hmm. it just can't, 
be all for nothing just motivates me so much. And I think about um, those micro moves that happened mm-hmm. afterwards and, and then how all that ended up unfolding the way it did. You know, for example, I had a radio show at the time called Stuff You Don't Hear on the Radio. <laughs> it's Tuesday nights from 6 to 7 on Hot 103 in Las Cruces. And it was super cool. It was an opportunity for me to play um, remixes that my friends made, like we were just talking about earlier. It was an opportunity for me to play um, club edits, things that people would hear in the club, but not necessarily on the radio. And I would talk about things, just inter, you know, in between songs, whatever. And then, you know, the next day I'm just in the studio and I'm like, guys, what plastic bags? Are you serious? Like, I just watched this documentary. What's good? Get on the Facebook channel. Let me see. Let me hear your thoughts, whatever. And we started a conversation like that. Um, and I just, I just felt just naturally happened. And then I just felt alive talking about that, right? I just, it just naturally happened. Um, and the next project that emerged as a result of that, which I didn't get to see through because that's when I moved away, the thinking was to create a citywide plastic bag drive. And just like a canned food drive where people leave the canned foods on the curb or in front of their door, people would leave. The invitation was to put that bag that's under your sink, the one that's full of other plastic bags. Everyone has it? Yep. We, yep. Although mine is a lot less now. Okay. That's good. And I think, well, share your invitation and, and because I think that what has changed even here in New York since you were having that idea. Yeah. It, we all have that. And the invitation back then would have been to put that on your curb. And then the thinking was to partner with the uh, college football team and, you know, raise some awareness and have a campaign where people would pick up that bag of plastic bags and replace it with a tote bag. So for every 20 bags that you'd give us, we'd give you one tote bag. So even in that started getting be, being into motion, um, but that's when I found out I got um, a job and I moved away, whatever, so it didn't end up happening. So hey, if anyone's listening and you're doing that, let us know that you're doing that because I s- still want to do it someday. Um, but after this documentary, those little micro moves that happened afterwards that just ended up opening up into something. And, um, and I've always seen this idea of reducing plastic waste as a gateway drug. Like, it caused me to think about things differently. Mm-hmm. So I've always been in the way of, um, if other, if, if I share that with other people, maybe it'll be another segue to start rethinking the amount of meat that we're consuming, rethinking, um, remembering to turn the lights off, looking into uh, energy offset programs, or just being awake to that kind of stuff. Right, right. I, I, I was. I said to uh, the team earlier that I can now not walk into a grocery store, or usually for me more so a drugstore, mm-hmm. without thinking about do I have room in the bag that I'm carrying mm. to fit what I want to buy, as opposed to taking the plastic bag. And that's that's all through these four years of knowing you. Oh, and yeah. I think that's interesting. And so, and the other, to, to close the loop, the thing now that I do, like getting any plastic bags and bringing them to, like the closest to my store is, I guess, the bookstore and you can stuff all your, mm-hmm. or bring it to a Whole Foods or like that sense of actually, if you are still, for whatever reason, still getting plastic bags, that there is a way to dispose of them yeah, in, properly, in a better absolutely. way. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I think that's interesting what you said about the approachability of these ideas, because I, I'm sure that you've heard people talk about, well, you know, climate issues, it seems so large. I don't know how me, individual one person, can have an impact. And mm-hmm. 
what are your thoughts on that or how do you how do you talk with people about that yeah that's so true and actually even just um right before we started this recording i had just posted on the brace of toe instagram um which we have we'll get to that in a moment too right i just posted on this the instagram um the idea that plastic bag bans and this whole movement is really more a symbolic gesture than anything uh, the fact is that actually when it comes to emissions plastic bags are not really that bad they're they're pretty low um, studies have shown that you have to use your reusable bag sometimes up to hundreds of times for it to offset the emissions that a plastic bag would create. If you think about it, they're so durable, they're super lightweight. You can get so much volume in such a small box of plastic bags. They're really not that bad when it comes to emissions. When it comes to pollution, obviously, they're the, the worst. Um, last year, we went through five billion, uh, five trillion plastic bags uh, around the world, which is unprecedented, and that's more... That's, it is the number one highest disposed plastic. Uh, Guinness Book of World Records named it the most ubiquitous item on the planet. Um, it's more than coffee cups and water bottles combined when you think about plastic bag consumption. So in terms of emissions, are not that bad. In terms of a symbolic move, that's where the value is, I think. So to answer your question, I see this rollout, um, I see this approach to climate change happening in levels. Okay. Um, level one is the basic things that we hear all the time. Bring your own bag, bottle, cup. It's like the most immediate way for you to start taking control over things, aligning your values with your actions the simplest way possible. It, it shouldn't end there. I mean, if we want to keep digging deeper. So I would say level one, bringing that. Level two is start starting to rethink the other things that you're purchasing. Um, every time you're reaching for something on a shelf, or touching something in your home, that is a touch point that could potentially offer some other solution. Mm -hmm. Your light switch, for example, we can start thinking about where are we getting our energy from, and then we can look into renewable energy um, credit programs and things like that. So I think that's level two. Level three is when we get to a point to where we're looking at what we do perhaps as a profession or as a passion, and we think about how we can start integrating levels one and two with that. For example, if your workspace is a place that uh, you wish would recycle more, maybe that is an area for you to expand your self-expression and start talking about how that can change. Maybe if you're working for a fashion brand, maybe you can bring that idea to the board meeting and say, what if we start using recycled materials? What if we start doing this? And that's where that level one starts unfolding even more. Um, and I think that's when we start getting to a place of real systemic change. But it doesn't, it, to me, it starts with the plastic reusable bags. It doesn't end there at all. Right, right. That's, so that's amazing. So it's, it's the individual choices and then making those individual, individual choices become habits. Mm -hmm. And then based on the habits, it does start to inform what you notice, what you see, the choices you make in terms of buying. And then I guess, so... It seems like you went from zero to level three, right? <laughs> sure. um, so, um, is there? I feel like there, there, there can be a courage step. Do you think in terms of now I'm taking it beyond me, the individual, and now like going into my office or going into my organization or going into a building and saying, "Can we do something different?" Yeah, 
um, is that was that like natural for you to do? I mean, speaking of the so for those of you that don't know, here at CSI, mm-hmm. you've got this whole zero waste project, and so we are all disposing of our of our waste differently because you have sort of been educating us over the years of what goes in what bin, right? So was mm-hmm. that a natural thought? You're like, oh, of course I'm gonna get this company, this building to to do this differently. No, no, not not really, not at first. No, and I know what you mean about that courage step. I think any time that we're in a place of aligning our values with our actions, I think there, there it's just in, inherent in that process is a moment of conflict or a moment of doubt or a moment of seeming inauthentic or something, especially if it's um, in a culture or a community of people that know you a certain way. Um, for example, you know, if you start enforcing certain things, like on, we used to have, um, the reason I never DJed on Monday nights was because that was our religious night to play Halo. Me and my friends, they would be like eight of us, sometimes 10 of us linking different TVs together and everything. So much of us come to my house and playing Halo. And, and then so when I started getting into this new space, um, at the time I was actually sponsored by uh, a, a drink company, a sports drink company called Nero. And they would send me a bunch of bottles and they're like, hey, like, just drink them on stage, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm super down. Um, as a result, I had a bunch of plastic bottles at my house. And, and I brought a recycling bin home um, when it was super new in Las Cruces at the time. Like, we didn't ever think about that. But I would tell them, like, hey, guys, like, take whatever you want, but put it in this bin. You know? And I think there, there can always be that, that kind of, like, ting of, like, oh, am I going to be, like, a jerk right now or am I going to seem like an asshole or something to my friends that know me a certain way um, but those moments are the moments that we look forward to because those are the moments of opportunity where you can find yourself and those are the moments where you can recreate yourself in a new way that yeah someone might think you're being narcissistic but another person might think you're being inspiring um, and I think that little micro win again um, just keeps happening over time and, and then to your other point too um, from level one to level three, uh, throughout this process, ever, you know, going through grad school, uh, design for social innovation, and, and being here in New York and seeing just how a whole city functions. Um, in contrast, my hometown has 70,000 people, Las Cruces, so being here, it's completely different. You know, you see the way a city pulses, uh, the heartbeat. I'm learning and I'm becoming more aware of how culture change and system change works. And it's from the bottom up and top down, it's both. You know, you oftentimes when I show people my bag, it's like, oh, not everyone's going to wear that. You're not going to get everybody to wear that. How are you going to get everyone to wear that? I'm, I wouldn't do it. And that's fine. That's not the answer. I don't believe it's the answer. I don't think every single in the pers- a person in the world is going to carry the reusable bag. I don't think that's feasible, nor is it the solution. Um, what I think is a holistic solution is if the people that want to carry their reusable bags have one that they love to carry even more. If we, if the people that are already doing something, if we make it easier and more exciting, and if we galvanize those people, that is powerful and that is ground up. And if we design, redesign systems in a way to where the plastic bag that you would be getting at the grocery store for, because you forgot your bag, that one that you're receiving anyway isn't made out of oil or something that's non-renewable, but it's made out of something like a corn base or something that's algae or something that's re, uh, actually dissolves in water or something and there is a campaign or an educational piece where it's like please just put this in your compost bin instead 
And that requires change to happen from both ends. It requires structural change and it requires information, demystifying systems. Um, so with that in mind, this here at the Center for Social Innovation, this opportunity just became a way for me to practice that in a way for me to explore the social design process. Um, it can be so daunting to think about how do we approach problem solving, especially some ones that are so big and abstract. But what I'm learning is it can come down to these three, three processes. Um, and this is universal, I'm finding. It's discover, design, deploy. Discover, design, deploy. Discover who, how is the system working? Whatever the system is, whether it's education or poverty or waste, doesn't discover that, like, get in there. How does the system work? How do people feel about it? And what does the desired state need to be? And then you map that system, mm -hmm. get a hold, get, get to know your, your stakeholders, understand your people. And then you, throughout that process, in, you'll discover little insights and little uh, pain points is what we call them. And then you design quick little prototypes, ways to test that, whether it's a, um, a meetup group in, that's discussing a certain topic or whether it's a, an event or whether it's a poster that's inviting someone to do something or whatever it might be based on those pain points you discover, you prototype on those, find something that works, deploy it. That's how system change works. And that's what I'm doing here mm -hmm. in the space. And it's really nice because it's quantifiable. Um, the metric here for everyone that's listening when it comes to sustainability and waste is something called a diversion rate. And it's literally the rate of waste that you're not sending to landfill. Got it. So if you just have a trash can, your diversion rate is 0% because everything you're putting there is automatically going to the landfill. If you bring in a compost bucket and then suddenly your food scraps are not going to the landfill and your food scraps are 40% of the waste that you're creating, your diversion rate just went up by 40%. Wow. Um, that is what we mean when we say a zero-waste city or a zero-waste plan. It's diverting up to 90% away from landfill. So this project here is a way for me to practice that. Mm -hmm. And getting people to think differently. I mean, you know, when even when I'm standing in front of it and I'm like, okay, right, looking at what's in my hand and thinking, okay, landfill, plastic, paper, um, compost, which is also, you know, that we have here as well, and just making that decision so then it, it becomes a habit of not just, oh, throw it away. It's a matter of, oh, wait, what is this? Let me look at it, try to figure out what it is, and then try to put it in the right bin. So that's yeah. that's pretty amazing. Um, so so we've hinted at it. We we, we talked about we, we said the name bracelet tote. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh -huh. I guess we have to tell them what is a bracelet tote. Okay. So imagine you have a bandana wrapped around your wrist or imagine a bandana wrapped around your neck or an ascot or a bandana wrapped around your head like Rambo or Tupac. Um, imagine undoing that bandana and then there is a small um, slit in the top. Uh, it's about the width of the narrow part of a tie. Um, and you can, from that slit, you can put your hands inside and then you will discover a magic trick that it feels like a magic trick every time. You grab the handlebars and you can slide the bandana down and it reveals a shopping bag. Um, and this emerged purely because I wear bracelets and I use them as a form of self-expression. Each one has a story. 
And at the time, I didn't have a bracelet that said anything about reusable bags. And I wanted one, and I Googled it, and I didn't find one. And I'm like, dude, I just want a bracelet tote. I just want a bracelet tote bag. I just want one. And that was, we had mentioned earlier, uh, the first class of uh, grad school, designed for social innovation. We had a shop class. And the stars aligned on that day that I was our assignment. And the tool I designed was a bracelet tote. And the first one, uh, I joke around with it. It's, it was only large enough to fit a six pack of eggs. It was just like so small, completely not <laughs> functional at all. Uh, but it was purely for demonstration purposes and then uh, just kept building on it. And now it can fit two six packs of soda or beer. It can hold 50 pounds. And it is made entirely out of recycled and repurposed materials. Fantastic. So that's amazing to hear of you also following your 3D process, right? Of sort of thinking about yeah. discovery and, 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 and getting to design and then getting to deploy. Um, and I, I think it's amazing. You, our listeners don't know, but, you know, I've, I've shared, you know, my team here was here last December and, mm. and they were all like, oh, my God, like, what is that? And yeah. how does it work? And so do you get that reaction? Often? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's surprisingly never been done before. Um, I've been working with a patent attorney um, uh, to file a utility patent, which we are utility patent pending. And as a result of that, we've, we've researched uh, patent applications that date back to 1968 and looked through so much material and just re spent so much hours just reading through this jargon and, and the different embodiments and the claims and all of these things that I never, you know, um, but so it's never been done before. And so when I show people this bandana that's wrapped around my wrist, they're like, oh, that's a cool bracelet, whatever, you know, and then I show it, and like, what the, where did you get that? It's amazing. Oh, man, yeah. I've, I've gotten, one time I got a free photo shoot because the cashier behind the, the desk, when I used it, I genuinely used it. And he was like, what is that? Where did you get that? He's like, yo, here's my card. Hit me up if you ever need something, you know, and um, it was great. His name is Shaq. Um, his Instagram handle is Daily Gems, and he's been supportive. Um, so that happens all the time, and it's super cool, and it's also nice because it is proof. It allows me to say, look, things are changing, and we can create that change. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a founder, innovator, creative person, it, how important is that extrinsic or external motivation versus your internal or intrinsic motivation so much it's so much it's both um and that was a huge that's such a good question because when i moved here to new york going from having a radio show djing so many nights my picture was on a billboard um going through that really yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't just me it was like a bunch of us right. that were on the billboard for this club called plum shout out to plum because you guys are awesome uh yeah i was there and it was amazing it was so fun i couldn't go anywhere back home without someone either knowing who I was or within two, three sentences being like, oh yeah, I've been there before. Oh, that was you, that was amazing, whatever. Um, so going from that to a place where, you know, I'm just walking down the street smiling at people and everyone's like, what the, you just, that's, not, that's not very well received, you know? It's just like, what's going on here? I mean, I moved to Williamsburg when I first moved here and I was trying to just like chat with people, whatever, but it was just not, not. Not the New York way. Not the New York way, at least, at least the way I was back then. Um, and, and really, honestly, yeah, Colette, I think it was just one day I was walking down the street and it just kind of hit me. I was like, I have zero external validation here. 
that is something I became so viscerally aware of in one moment. I'm like, I, that's what's, that's something that's missing. And then it's like, okay, do I need that? Yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah. Can I proceed without it? Is the external validation a goal or a result? And when I started rethinking the DJ days, I realized that I wasn't happy because I was DJing. It was the reverse. I was DJing because I was happy. I, I would just play house parties for my friends because I love to. And I would play because I love that person. And I would just, just hanging out with my friends and I just happened to play music. And I think that opened up this space of, of trust and it built a community and eventually one person referred me to someone else and I got a gig opening for LMFAO. That's what happened. Uh, and, and so I, I realized that like I was happy first. And then thinking of it that way, it's like, okay, well, I'm here. And if that's true, then I can still be that. And then I can still choose why I'm here because clearly I'm left all of that to pursue this crazy idea or this vision. So let me put my horns down and let me see what happens. Let me see what's going to happen. Um, and that is, that is the absolute truth. It is the result. Um, and then the external validation and all of that comes, it's a result of you expressing yourself and, and doing your thing and following your path. And, um, and then it just becomes extra fuel. Then it just becomes expansive. And then it becomes validating. And it, then it takes on a whole new life of its own. It's no longer mine. It's ours. And that's when it becomes freaking awesome. Right, right. And that is, I think, speaking also as a founder, like that's the challenge mm-hmm. of getting to that point of stickiness or, I don't know, making up a word, viralness. That's probably not the word, but, you know, like like that sense of like, I love mm. that, that it's not mine or it's not like you and I ours anymore. It's mm-hmm. collective ours. So yes. whatever we're bringing into the world, it's it has its own momentum and has its own energy, right? Totally. So that whether it's bracelet toad or start within, whatever it is, it's like we, we maybe will always be in it, but it becomes like this engine. Yeah, totally. Got to do that. And that's our responsibility mm-hmm. to, to output that and to let it be whatever it needs to be. With, and if you can create that thing with values that are intended and designed to benefit other people and benefit each other and all of us, then you you gotta let go of it and you just gotta see what happens. And that's scary. It's super scary, um, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's so terrifying because you're so identified with it. It's your creation, it's your it's all this stuff. And am I gonna be looked at a certain way? Am I gonna be judged a certain way? Is it not enough? Is it all of this stuff? And, and that happens, it has to happen. That's the part of, that's part of it. And that's when you get to make the choices that are more important or that, that you can choose what's more important, rather. Is this about me or is this about that original intention of creating something that might benefit other people? So what do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. What's at stake for your health if you continue living your current routine? 
The thing is, we get so used to doing things in the same ways, we're actually more afraid to make changes than we are to live out our worn out routines, even if they are causing us to feel ill, stressed, or overwhelmed. Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and not have it hurt when you get out of bed and to feel excited about your day? It is possible when you start within, and I'd like to help you do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click Start Here to schedule your complimentary activation call. We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your health, and where you would like to be. So go to startwithincoaching.com and click Start Here to start your journey within. And so how do you stay in flow when you hit roadblocks or challenges? Yeah, that's such a good question too. Um, it's yeah, definitely flow is definitely not always 100%. It's definitely not there all the time. Um, there are moments when you you know you're like, nice, I'm jamming right now. It's 12.30 at night and I'm still here at the CSI and I'm the only one here and I'm whiteboarding, whatever, I'm in. There, that happens, but there's other nights when you're just like, I don't feel a thing. Um, and then, you know, if it's something that you do debt, debt, you genuinely want to push through, what works for me is I think about different personas and I think about different archetypes and things that uh, have inspired me in the past. Like one very, very specific example is a film called They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, have you guys seen that? Have you heard of it? Have you heard of that? It's incredible. It's a film about World War One. Peter Jackson made it, uh, creator of Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. He w was given this insane amount of old school footage, unusable footage, uh, overexposed, underexposed, too fast, whatever, of, of super vintage footage of World War One, And they spent countless hours re slowing it down, readjusting it, and add adding color to it. Um, I'm watching this and I'm just thinking, hold, like, these guys just went into the greatest experience of human adversity possible as kids, as whatever. And then the, the documentary carries you throughout to the, the times when they come home. And they made it home. And then for me, that just became this, it's the call of duty, the true call of duty, mm -hmm. and whatever that duty is. But they responded to the call. And they found their skill. The, these ones that happened to have these strengths became the snipers. These ones became the scouts. I don't know exactly, you know, but the roles emerged. And then that just galvanized me to think about what is my cosmic duty? What is my duty? And despite as much adversity, these guys were literally getting blown up. And I'm worried about, you know, looking foolish or something, whatever. Now, it's all relative, of course, but they stood up they faced the call, they took the call, they answered. And that's my responsibility as well. So to answer your question succinctly, I think about personas and characters that have inspired and galvanized me, um, and I just behave that way. Um, because the adversity will happen, the conflict will happen, and deep down I also know that there's another side to it. And so now it's getting to a point where anytime I'm conflicted about something, I'm like, okay, cool, we're here again. Mm -hmm. um, I can make a choice. I can just make a little micro plan. I can plan out my next two hours 
and know that, okay, I have to submit this outline for myself. I have to send my advisor this outline because he needs to give me the feedback by Friday. Let me just put on my hat, my, my helmet and power through this. Or if it's not something time sensitive, it's like, okay, maybe just hang it up for the night. Let me just go watch some freaking Lost in Space or something, <laughs> you know? Right, to um, decompress. To decompress, yeah, to step away. Um, but it's challenging in a, in a city like New York, right, or other urban environments where the pace is fast. And and for those of us that are working on social issues, like, do, do you ever feel that that sense of, I, I can't take a day off because, yeah. you know, it's the climate? Or yeah. is yeah. that something that you wrestle with at all? Yeah, totally, especially when it is so tied to something we believe in. Yeah, that just makes it even harder, which is why I think your podcast is so wonderful and everything that you're doing is so wonderful because it is about starting within. It is about assessing, is is the challenge I'm facing something, um, you know, and I had written this down too, is this something because of resources or is it because of finances or something outside of me or is it something that I'm just, I need to work through on a deeper level? Is it something that, is it, um, you know, is there a distinction that needs to be made here? Like, is this, am I just nervous right now or maybe like, do I just need to take a step back? Do I need to cool it? Am I attached? Um, and, and those are all questions that help us move forward. Um, and I think another thing I'd like to add as well, especially since we've covered the whole spectrum here, um, another thing that I've found that's been really helpful for me is um, de- detaching and, and disassociating and, and disidentifying with, with that which what I'm doing. So I, when I come back to a place where I'm DJing, like in my apartment, it, it, it pulls me back to a center where I remember that my work isn't me. It is just I'm here, and that, those are things that I'm working on. And to your point, too, whenever you're working on something, a, a social issue especially, it's so, so deep in us and, and so something we truly value from our hearts, and it's easy to identify with that stuff. Um, but stepping back and doing something that's the polar opposite recenters you. It recentered me. Mm-hmm. So when I get back into the flow of DJing, I'm just like, nice, yeah, like, cool, here I am. I'm listening to my music, I'm jamming, I'm doing my thing. And, you know, if my roommates are hanging out, they're bobbing their heads too, I'm like, sweet, like, yeah, we're here. And then I'm, I'm centered and I'm hanging out, whatever. Um, and then like, oh, cool, oh, I got an idea, let me go write it down for the project that I am working on. It is, ex- it's outside of me, it's my project. Make, like, creating that distance is so... It is, the return on that investment is insane and it is how you move forward with clarity. It's interesting that you're talking about that, the, the connection to music and connection to de- DJing being kind of like your, your step away. Do, do you see an intersection between like your creativity, the artistic abilities and innovation? Like, is it a flow? Like, what is that, what is that journey like for you? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. And the more and more, time that passes, I'm seeing the worlds collide. I'm seeing the worlds combine and merge and co-create. Um, there is, what I've found in myself is that I come most, I'm most alive when I'm in front of people um, presenting something and demystifying something and sharing a vision. And I think that is universal, whether it's in, behind a DJ booth or in front of a projector uh, or on stage talking about something. And that's really exciting to me. I love the whole reason I even started DJing was not because of the music, but it was because of the people. I, I like that. I like being on stage, making sure that, you know, if I see a couple dancing or if I see someone really having a good time, I want them to know that I see them. 
and I give them a what's up and I'm like, yo, if you guys need anything, yo, let me know if you want to hear something. You know, it's always been about that. And, and so that's just been what's happening beneath the surface. And now it gets to express itself again, talking about systems change and climate change and plastic bags, whatever. Um, and I see those things merging again. I have a, a project that's a little dormant right now. It's going to pop its head out soon, but it's Future Meets Party. And uh, so the name of my company is called Future Meets Present, and just for context sake. And it's based on this vision that a sustainable future, whatever it is that you imagine, is expressing itself in the present. It's not somewhere far off in time and space. But that snapshot that you see in your mind's eye where electric cars are normal, renewable energy is normal, circular economy is normal, rooftop gardens are normal, you see that in your mind's eye. It's actually here. It's here. It's expressing itself in the present. It's just not, it's, it's, expre- it's f- unfolding. Um, and that context can play out uh, through design, through product design, system design, and through events and community design. So when you have a party in that context, that's what it looks like when the future meets party. Ah. And that's when DJ Amir will make his return, whatever, you know, all that. But it could be it could be cool. I love that. I love that. And 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 totally true listeners, whenever whenever Amir is DJing and, and we're dancing and it's always <laughs> Yo, like a, yeah, a, yeah. a hand signal <laughs> or a high five that, that, that he will give from behind the booth. Um, you you alluded to it in, in an earlier earlier response, but I wanted to ask specifically, because I ask all of my guests, what does start within mean to you? I think as a primer, we need to think about those moments where we feel most at home. And I think for all of us, uh, that could be slightly different. Some people it's when they're with certain people. Some people it's when you're in nature. Where do you feel most at home? Where do you feel like time stops? Where do you feel most present? Um, that is the baseline foundation uh, upon, which, uh, upon which you express yourself in any other way. And then I think we can take a step back and look, in this moment, am I that way? In this action, in this job, in this whatever, with this person, am I that way? Yes or no? If it's a no, is it something because of an external discomfort? Is it freaking cold outside? Is it like, am I broke right now? Am I late? Whatever. Some things happen that elicit some sort of a response. And then you look inside and it's like, okay, am I judging? Am I, is this self-doubt? Am I afraid? Am I whatever? And those, those two dimensions, internal and external, both have their answers to restore that sense of home. And I think what I found is starting within, starting with yourself first, is the work. It is the responsibility. That is the job. Assess what it is that you're bringing to the table. Um, I had a real conversation with my roommates recently where I opened up to them about being judgmental about something, something that I do normally uh, from time to time. Um, it was really nice. You know, like so I'm the type of person that I like to um, cook and clean at the same time. And, you know, so by the time my mac and cheese is finished, uh, my pots are done. And my roommate is one of my best friends, and he's a little bit more on the relaxed side of the spectrum, you know? He likes to do his thing, sit down. Yeah, Yeah, I'll get to it in a bit. And he does, you know, and all that stuff. And and I noticed that there were times when I was feeling um, defeated or low about project stuff or work stuff or whatever, and little things like that would 
would push me in a way, would trigger me or would make me feel a certain way. And then I would, man, I was like, oh, like, why is he so lazy? Whatever, you know, and I would have all these thoughts. And then there was this nice three-week period. Um, well, it, there was a three-week period where everyone was traveling. Everyone was traveling and I got to be in my apartment uh, on my own. It was the first time I got to be in my apartment by myself for that long time. And you know what? A couple of those nights I made my mac and cheese and I went and I sat down and I watched Lost in Space and I didn't feel like washing my pot. And it, what little things like that, you know? And I'm just like, man, yeah, this is like, this is what I'm talking crap about in my head, you know? And then I don't know if they had ever received any of those impressions or whatever, but I needed to talk it out. And, and I talked to, to my roommate and his girlfriend and I was like, guys, I don't know if you've ever gotten these vibes, but either way, like, I need to let you know this is what's been going on. And I caught it and, and it's, you know, it's not going to be a thing anymore. Like, and I'm sorry if you felt in a certain way. Um, that type of action, that type of introspection and that type of work is really hard because it's invisible. But everything beyond that is a result. Everything beyond doing that is a result having those conversations, creating that space, nurturing that sense of home is the way things become powerful and wonderful and trustworthy and open um, and fun. And that can express itself in any domain, whether it's professional or personal or romantic. Um, but looking inside and seeing the things that are holding you back from that sense of home, um, feeling good, loving, respectful, empathetic, whatever is holding you back and that simply requires some language sometimes we just you know need to listen to a podcast if you know of one if you, if you <laughs> if might you know, know of, of a podcast yeah, or two who knows <laughs> who yeah knows? yeah oh or you know i'm a fan of going to therapy or counseling or reading these books like all of it is wonderful because it's language sometimes it's hard for us to go down that route because i don't want to tell i don't want someone to tell me how to live my life or i don't want to sell all this kind of stuff and it can be perceived that way sure but if you look at it as a tool just like any other educational book. Let, give, let me develop the language. Let me develop the skills to nurture the sense of home and, and take accountability for things and create wonderful experiences with the, myself and those around me. I think that's, that's what it's all about. That's amazing. That's, that's such a, an aware concept or definition of start within. I, I, lo I love hearing <laughs> it from everyone cool. and I loved what you shared. I wanted to ask your thoughts around uh, something that I've been thinking about, and I don't have any fully formed opinions about it, but what are your thoughts on uh, diversity and inclusion when it comes to environmental movements or climate activism? Is it something that you have any thoughts about, or do you notice that there is, there isn't? Uh, what I'd love to learn more about your perspective on it, since you're in, you're in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of different ways. The, the, the most immediate metaphor I can uh, talk about right now is just, like imagine if a cactus told a maple tree that like, oh no, we don't need, like you don't need to be here. Like this is just all, you take too much water. Like, uh, I don't know what, like we need both of them. You need the cactus and the maple tree. And everyone has a role to play. People of different social economic classes have access to different resources. One of the reasons that plastic bag bans have taken so long in different communities is because of the concern that it might add a financial barrier, five cents, whatever, to different, uh, you know, people of, of income, um, which could be true, too. And it's, it's, it's just a, it sheds light on the importance of making things work for everybody, accessibility, and designing systems that work 
for people no matter who they are. Mm-hmm. Right, and then there's also that concept of thinking about the differing impacts depending on where you live, whether that's different countries, different uh, exactly. continents of different aspects like you know, hurricanes, typhoons, earthquakes, all of these different things that seem to be happening so that we're all being impacted. And yet, I wonder, are all of those stories being shared or being told? Right. Yeah, that's a completely, yeah, that's an avenue we didn't even go down. Of course, the ones, the the most least resilient communities, the most impoverished communities are the ones going to be affected the most, um, purely because of sometimes geographical uh, situations and and resource limitations, of course, all of that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Great. So, so how can our listeners learn more about all that you're doing? Bracelet Toad, Future Meets Present. I can't wait for Future Meets Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I I love Instagram the most. Uh, you will start there. I, I actually am in process of updating my LinkedIn. So if you go there, you'll see a bunch of outdated stuff, which could be pretty funny. Uh, do that, um, but A M E R J A N like Nancy D A L I Amir Jandali. That's yeah, that's Instagram. That's where I post my stuff. So you can find links to other things. And wow, if somebody hears this, you, whoever, if you message me on Instagram saying you, I'll be so, that'd be amazing. That'd be freaking out thrilled. Yeah. In any way I can support with whatever anyone's doing, I'm super down. That's amazing. Hell yeah. So, thank you. This yeah. has been such an amazing conversation. I have enjoyed learning more about you. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing you think, oh, I know. I know Amir. I know what he's <laughs> yeah. all about. But I learned yeah. a lot today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Same here, Colette. This is great. This is, I'm, I'm super honored. I'm happy to be part of this. It's 80 episodes deep, 80-something. Uh, and congratulations on making it this far. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. These conversations are wonderful. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. It's my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.